Well, God is a good God. Amen? Well, today we're going to be talking about taming the tongue. Taming the tongue. Some of you are probably thinking, "Uh uh-oh, I picked a bad day to come to church. Amen? We're going to be talking about taming a tongue, but as we get started, I heard a story about this college senior. He was about to graduate. He had all of his main required courses completed, but he needed a three-credit hour course in some kind of elective course. He wanted something simple. It could have been square dancing. It could have been underwater basket weaving, something simple like that. So he goes into his advisor, and he tells his advisor about the situation. He says, I just need three credit hours in an elective course. Let's make it an easy one. What's the easiest course that this university offers? Well, the advisor pulls out a course sheet and looks at it. He says, let me look here a minute. He says, I've got one for you. How about ornithology? It's a study of birds. It's simple. You're going to love it. The young man said, well, I want something easy. If you say it's easy, sign me up. Well, it turned out that that easy elective course was the hardest class this young man had ever taken in his life. There was tons of outside uh, reading required. There were book reports and papers due every week. He had to go to a three-hour bird laboratory, uh, observation laboratory, every Thursday, spend all three hours of his Thursday night there. Needless to say, it was a very tough class. And after a few weeks rolled by, this young man was about at his wit's end. Uh, He had counted on this being a very easy class, turned out to be exactly the opposite. Well, one day he walks into his ornithology class, and he sees all these stuffed birds all the way around the room. These stuffed birds are covered with a little brown paper sack that covers their bodies. The only thing that's showing is their legs. Well, the professor comes in there and says, class, we're going to have a pop quiz today. He says, as you notice, all of these birds have a number on them. I want you to each walk around the room, and by looking at the bird's legs... I want you to name those birds. Well, this student had had enough. I signed up for an easy class. This is ridiculous. Anybody would expect me to identify a bird just by their legs. This is crazy. So he picked up his his, uh, book, textbook, and went up to the professor's desk, slammed it down on the desk, and said, I've had enough. I quit. This is ridiculous. You expect me, you expect this class. To identify these birds just by looking at their legs, I quit. This is ridiculous. I'm out of here. And he storms out of the class. Professor looks up and says, hey, wait a minute. Stop. You can't quit. You can't do that. By the way, what is your name, young man? About that time, he sees a chair, puts his leg up on the chair, pulls up his pant leg and says, I don't know. You tell me. (laughs) Some of you get it later. Amen. My point is that elective class was supposed to be easy, but sometimes isn't it the easy things that trip us up? Isn't it some of the most basic things in life that we have the most trouble with? How many have ever heard the statement, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me? We've all heard that, right? Maybe your parents told you that growing up or some friend. Well, let me tell you, it's not true. Not at all true. Words actually do hurt. And as we've started in this brand new year of 2019, whether you realize it or not, we've been looking at topics that will help us get started on the right foot in this new year. Well, today we're going to be looking at our words. Do you know statistics show that the average person, I'm going to say the average, not the overly talkative person, not the super shy person, but the average person spends one-fifth of their life talking. You realize that? That's a lot of time. One-fifth of your life talking. That means that our tongues are cranking out enough words to fill two 
books of 300 pages each month, 24 books each year, and 1,200 books in a 50-year time period of speaking. That's a lot of words. My point is, we're always talking. My point is, we're constantly talking. We're talking to ourselves. We're talking to others. We're, off, we're all the time sharing our thoughts with other people. But think about this. One-fifth of your life will be spent with your mouth open. Some of you a little more than that, but one-fifth of your life will be spent with your mouth open. I'll just say that's a lot of opportunity to bless. That's a lot of opportunity to curse. And I'm not talking about cussing or curse words if you're tracking with me. I'm not talking about that at all. But I would say this. It shouldn't be a surprise to us that God would have something to say about the words that we have to say. Do you realize how powerful your words really are? They are powerful. They bless and they curse. James chapter 3, verse 1, James says this. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. He starts out with teachers because teachers teach, and from teachers we learn. And if the teacher is off, the students are off, right? You might say if a parent is off, the kids are off. I also want to say there's a big difference between a critic and a coach. It has a lot to do with time and tone. When you say something and how you say something. How many know that a critic, they will always try to find a public forum of some kind, online, Facebook, where they can have a public audience to get as many people on board with them because their goal is not to help you, it's to crush you, amen? It's to hurt you. So I'll just say this, a critic We'll wait until you're the most vulnerable. On the other hand, a coach will wait until you're the most teachable. Amen? That's what coaches do. A critic's intent is to sure that, make sure that he gets as many people on board with him to join in the criticism, and a coach is just trying to save you from the criticism, trying to protect you from the criticism, trying to help you grow and learn in whatever situation you're in. But this scripture, I have to look at it and take it a little bit more strongly than even you. Because he's really saying that we preachers and we teachers of the gospel of Christ are going to be held a lot more accountable for our words than even any of you. I mean, we're held to a higher standard, and I take that really seriously. I may joke around up here, but I take what I'm doing very seriously because God's going to hold me accountable for the truth. God's going to hold me to a higher standard. But even with that said, God has a standard for all of us when it comes to using our tongues, using our words. And if you're taking notes this morning, I'm going to give you four things that the tongue has the power to do. If you're taking notes, the first thing is to guide and direct. You realize our tongues have the power to guide us, to direct us. Look at the rest of verse 2. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. When you put a bit in a horse's mouth, you can turn that animal whichever way you want it to go. I know this from experience. We've got two quarter horses at home. We've got Grace and Belle. My horse's name is Belle. She's the little horse, but she's the one that has the worst attitude. She's a nasty horse. She thinks she's large and in charge, and she basically is. I can be out in her stall mucking the stall and... and uh, uh, she pins her ears back, swishes her tail at me, letting me know, hey, I don't want you bothering me. Or she'll even spin her back end around uh, to me and just let me know she could kick me if she wants to. She just has a nasty disposition. I might be in her stall cinching up her saddle to put the saddle on. 
She hates that, pins her ears back, swishes that big long tail and whacks you upside the head. But the minute I put that metal bit in her mouth that's attached to the two leather reins that I hold in my hand when I get on her back, guess who's large and in charge, amen? I'm large and in charge. Belle's no longer in charge. I can get her to go, to stop, to back up, to go forward, to go right, to go left, all because I've got that metal bit in her mouth. It makes all of the difference. Then James goes on and says in verse 4, or take ships as an example. Although they are so large, they are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very, large, very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. The tongue is a very small part of the body, but it makes great boast, has great power. I believe if James was writing to us today, even though his words are relevant to today, if he was writing it to us today, I believe he might say the tongue is like the steering wheel of a car. He might say it's like the microchip in a computer. These things are very small things, but they have enormous power. In the same way our tongues are a small organ or a small part in our body, but the words that our mouths create and our tongues speak have tremendous power. James says the analogy is our tongues might be small, but in the scheme of things, they have a huge impact on our life. Our tongues and the words that we say have an impact not only on our lives, but the lives of those around us. James is saying our speech is a whole lot like that. Our speech is so powerful. The power of speech and our words is really unbelievable. You know, there's no doubt that history tells us that Hitler was a powerful speaker. A horrible man and a powerful speaker. His words to the German people mesmerized the German people so much that they were willing to give him and the Nazi party anything that they wanted. His words spewed out hatred. And he called to actually racial and religious intolerance that ended up in the Second World War. Amen? Ended up in the Second World War. It was uh, the ruination of Europe, the death to over 50 million people. I think we could easily say that his hateful words tore up our whole world. Words are that powerful. Brings me to my second point. The second thing our tongue has the power to do is to destroy. There's the power of destruction in our tongues, in our words. How many of you have ever set something on fire accidentally? Anybody ever accidentally set something on fire? Probably many of us have. You didn't mean to. It happened. I remember when my older sons, David and Dustin, were little guys. It was around 4th of July, and they had uh, gotten some bottle rockets. And one day at work, I got a call that... David and Dustin were in the field next door setting off their bottle rockets in July. It was a very dry year that year. The wind was blowing. They caught the field on fire. Thank God for the fire department that got there in a hurry before it caught any houses on fire. But I'll never forget the fear, the look in their faces, thinking that that little spark caused such a huge fire just almost instantly. Well, James has something to go on to say about this in verse 5. Consider what a great forest fire is set on fire by a small spark. Consider what a great forest can be caught on fire by just a small spark. The tongue also is a fire. Listen to these words about our tongue. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. I can't explain every detail of that, but... I believe James is telling us our tongues are a powerful, destructive thing if they're used in the wrong way. James is saying that the damage that a tongue can cause is like the damage that's caused from a small spark that spreads into a huge, enormous forest fire. 
It's a good comparison, I think, though, because when you think about the tongue, you think about a forest fire, it's wide-ranging, like a spark that starts out small and spreads across hundreds of miles doing immense damage. Think about that. A word spoken in one place can hurt someone that's far away. It can hurt someone that's just across town. It can hurt someone that's all the way around the world. Another thing about the tongue, it's uncontrollable like a fire. The truth is you can't take a word back. You realize that when a word's out there, it's out there. You can't take it back. You can't stop it from spreading. And once those words of gossip are out there, they take on a life of their own. And they always have plenty of people that are willing to help it spread. Amen? It's a powerful, destructive thing. Like a forest fire, words can be incredibly destructive. Back in 1871, anybody ever heard of Mrs. O'Leary? In 1871, Mrs. O'Leary was milking her cow in a barn in Chicago when her cow knocked over the lantern in the barn, caught the hay in the barn on fire. Mrs. O'Leary couldn't put out the fire. And by the time the fire was under control, 17,450 buildings in Chicago were destroyed. One cow kicks over one lantern and 17,450 buildings are destroyed. The entire downtown portion of Chicago was wiped out by the Great Chicago Fire. 250 people lost their lives, so it was a horrible deal. So what do our words and fire have in common? Just from what you've heard so far, they're both destructive, or can be destructive. They're small, they can spread quickly, they can do wide-ranging damage, they go far-reaching, both quickly get out of control. If we're not careful, they can get uncontrollable. You know, when a hurtful thing is said, you can't unsay it. When you've said something hurtful, you can't unsay it. When a lie is told, you can't transform it back into the truth. When a reputation has been destroyed, you can't mend it. Friendships have been ruined. Families have been shattered. Uh, churches have been split. Ministries have been destroyed. In fact, whole nations have gone to war all because of the power of our words. That shows you a little bit of just how powerful your words can be. You might say a fire can warm and a fire can burn. You might say our words can warm or bless or our words can burn. Words can warm a heart or they can inflame hatred in a situation. I think James is saying it's like a chain reaction. When we say the wrong words, it takes off and it's like that forest fire that spreads all over in a short time. Proverbs 18.21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. If you broke that down, it starts with death and life are in the power of our words, are in the power of our tongue. That's a whole lot of power. James is trying to get us to understand that we can't underestimate the power of our words. He compares our dangerous words to dangerous animals. That, that as mankind, we have tamed many dangerous animals, but no one, James says, can tame the tongue. Listen to what he says in verse 7. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. We tame all sorts of birds, reptiles, all sorts of creatures on this earth. We can even take a killer whale, and we can tame that killer whale, but we can't get our tongue to obey us. We can't tame our tongue. Then he goes on to say this about our tongues. It says, it is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. Our tongues, which produce our words, are a restless evil, full of deadly poison. So without a doubt, that brings my second point. Our powers have the tongues to have the power to destroy. Our words have the power to destroy. 
My third point is, our tongues display who we really are. Our tongues really show us for who we are. It indicates how healthy or how unhealthy we are spiritually. When you go to the doctor, when you're not feeling well, what's the first thing he usually asks you to do? Stick out your tongue. Didn't you hate that as a kid? I hated that. When he put that tongue depressor on your tongue, like, <laughs> you gagging? I got to where I could open my mouth wide enough he didn't even need to get that stick near me, amen? But it's a horrible thing. But he looks, gets the tongue out of the way so he can see your throat. He can check your health out by that. He, he looks at your tongue to see if there's a coating on it that might indicate something else going wrong in your body. And when he wants to take your temperature, puts the thermo thermometer underneath your tongue. He does all this because our tongues are actually a barometer of our physical health. Well, James is coming along and saying, hey, it's the same way spiritually, basically. You can tell how strong and healthy a person is by the words that they say. By every word that we utter, it broadcasts really what's in our hearts. What really is going on deep down on the inside of us? Some people say things like, you don't know my heart. And I'd have to step back and say, you know, I don't know your heart, but I do hear your words. And your words are actually an overflow of what's deep down on the inside of your heart. So I may not know your heart, but I know your words, and your words come from your heart and the condition of your heart. Jesus proves this out in Luke chapter 6, verse 45. It says, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. It's like a bucket dipped into a deep freshwater well is going to bring up fresh water, right? Well, our tongues are dipped deep into our hearts, and they're going to bring up what's ever in our hearts. If it's clean, it's going to communicate that it's clean. If it's contaminated, it's going to communicate that it's contaminated. It's going to expose us for who we are. James says here that our tongues really show what's going on deep down on the inside of us, how close we are really walking to God. It identifies us as either a genuine follower of Christ, a genuine Christian, or a carnal Christian. Our words reveal who we are. So what's on the inside of us is eventually going to come out. Amen? The fourth point, if you're taking notes, our tongues have the power to bless and to curse. Look at verse 9. With the tongue we praise our Lord and our Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. If you call yourself a Christian, if you call yourself a follower of Christ, we have a call on our lives to love God. Amen? And we have a call on our lives to love other people. So if you're saying, I love God, but don't love other people, let me just say, you have a problem in the loving God department. Because they're God's people. They're God's children. He calls us to love everyone. It would be like somebody coming up to me and saying, Pastor D, I love your ministry. I love your messages, your preaching, your teaching. I love the church. And in the same breath, turn around and rail on my son, Austin. Like it's okay to be fine with me, but not fine with my son. Can you imagine how offended I am as a father? And can you imagine how it makes all the other words, the glowing words that they've told me, meaningless, don't mean a thing, they're worthless? Well, James says we do the same thing with God much, too much of the time. I mean, we may be praising him and then turning around and gossiping about somebody else. We might be praising him, turning around and tearing someone else down. 
Look what it says in James 1.26. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is what? Worthless. He deceives himself and his religion is worthless. It tells me it's because an angry, bitter, self-righteous, profane tongue is a sign of an angry, bitter, self-righteous, profane heart. They're one and the same. They come from the same well. James finishes with verse 11. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Whether you realize it or not, James is circling back. He's going back to the issue of the heart. Whatever's in the tree is going to be produced in the fruit. Amen? What's the likelihood of an apple tree bearing cherries? Zilch. It's not going to happen. But I think when you look at this message, you have to go a whole lot deeper than your tongue because we don't really just have a tongue problem. We've got a heart problem. If the wrong things are coming out of your mouth, Broadcast by your tongue, it's not a matter of your tongue, it's a matter of where that came from, the well that it came from, from your heart. What's on the inside is eventually going to come out. I can hide it, I can pretend for a while, but eventually it's going to expose me. It's going to expose you for what's really going on in our hearts. The truth is the tongue is a reflection of what's on the inside of your heart. If it contains corruption, guess what's going to spew out? Corruption. If you've got an impure heart, corrupt heart, corruption's going to come forward. It's like when people say something to you that they later regret. They almost make excuses saying, you know, that really wasn't me that said that. That was my evil twin. Oh, the devil made me do it, right? You've heard excuses like that. Or they might say, you know what I said yesterday? I didn't really mean that. I'd have to say, no, you really did mean it. You just were embarrassed that your tongue failed you and exposed you. Amen? Your tongue basically betrayed you. And let everyone else in the room know how you felt. They might say, well, I'm sorry, I just wasn't thinking. I'd have to say, that's right, you weren't thinking. Because for a brief moment, the filter between your tongue and your heart failed, and all the junk in your heart came spewing out. Amen? When that filter fails. But it works the other way, too. If you've got joy, and you've got hope and thankfulness in your heart, when you're in a situation, guess what's going to come out? Joy. Hope. And thankfulness in every situation. I knew a guy years ago. He was an amazing guy. He was so full of God that in every situation, no matter how distressful or how bad it was, he was always upbeat and happy. He was always full of joy. If he went to a mundane, uh, just run-of-the-mill restaurant, you'd ask him, well, how was the restaurant? How was the food? It was awesome. It was amazing. The best food I ever had. How was your spring break? Best spring break ever. How was your vacation? Best vacation ever. We all got the flu, but we got it together. Amen. I mean, this guy just had an awesome attitude, and you know why? Because of Jesus. He had so much of Jesus in his heart, no matter what situation he was in, good or bad, you could still see Jesus. You could still see the reflection of Jesus in his life. He chose. He made the choice. He could have chose to gripe and complain, but he chose to speak blessing. Brings me to Proverbs 15, verse 4 says, the tongue that brings healing is a tree of life. Do you get that? The, tongues that? the tongue that brings healing is a tree of life. A tree of life is a good thing. Amen? That verse actually talks about what a great blessing our words can be. What a great blessing our words can be. It can literally be like a cold, a cold drink of water to someone that's dying of thirst. 
It can be like if you're in a horrible situation and you've got a friend that comes along, encourages you, says, don't give up, you can do it, I believe in you. Or if you're going through a stressful time, they remind you of lovingly of God's love and protection and guidance and care and His mercy and grace that's never going to leave you nor forsake you, that's here uh, no matter what situation you're in. I said all that to say we sit here and we don't realize the opportunity that you and I have to be those same kind of people. So many times, me too, I get guilty of, in a roundabout way, I might tear somebody down when I missed an opportunity where I could have lifted them up, but I pressed them down. And I know if I do it, I know we all do it. And I believe this whole message of James is saying, you've got to change your heart. You've got to change that well from, from uh, words of death into words of life that become a tree of life to those around us. You know, when I think about sound waves, scientists say that when a sound wave is set in motion, it starts out on an endless journey, a never, ever ending journey. And if we had the right instruments and equipment, we could capture those sound waves. We could repeat those sound waves. Some scientists say that every word that's ever been spoken could be captured and could be repeated. The truth is, spiritually, every word that we have said or will say has been and will be captured by God. He knows them. He knows exactly what we've said. All those words that have come out of that tongue and that mouth that God created in the first place. Matthew 12, verse 36, Jesus says, But I tell you that men will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word that they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. By your words you're going to be judged. So when it comes down to our words, it's a sign of your faith. You realize that? What's going on in your life is going to come out in your words. If your faith is real, your words are going to bless God. You realize that? And your words are going to encourage other people. So think about it. Those 5,000 words that you'll speak on any given day that come through your phone, through your uh, text messages, through your tweets, through your computer, maybe even those whispers, the Bible says that we will give an account for every word, every idle word that we've spoken. What that's telling me is God wants us to understand that our words are weighty. Our words are important. Our words matter. They may not matter to you, but I can guarantee you every word that we speak matters to God. The careless words that you and I speak, maybe on a daily basis, they not only hurt people, but they dishonor our God. So I believe the question God is asking every one of us to answer is, are you burning or building the kingdom of God with your words? Are you encouraging or tearing down with your words? Are you building harmony and unity in the body of Christ, or are you tearing it down? Let me ask you this morning, who have you burned with your tongue? Or who has burned you with their tongue? And I will fill you in on something. I'll give you six of the most powerful words that you'll ever be able to speak to another human being. The first three is, I am sorry. Last three are, please forgive me. I am sorry, please forgive me. Can you imagine if we could get six words into our vocabulary like that? What a difference it would make in broken lives. Broken relationships, broken families, broken marriages, broken churches. Can you imagine? I am sorry. Please forgive me. And not just letting them be words, but letting them be truth from your heart. Some of you realize that you've spoken some harsh words to somebody along the way. I hope through this message you're hearing that in your spirit. 
Maybe you are a burn victim when it comes to your words. Or maybe you know a burn victim when it comes to your words. How about trying the salve of forgiveness? How about trying the balm of repentance in your situation that opens a door for God to bring healing into a relationship? That opens a door to bring healing into a situation? Some of you, I believe, right now are realizing, wait a minute, I've said some hurtful things to some people that I'm supposed to love. Maybe you said some hurtful things to a spouse. Maybe you said some hurtful things to a, a child, to a parent, to a friend. Words that you could, should have never spoken. And maybe you're realizing, I hope today, that your words weren't sent out to build up or to love or to edify. Your words were sent out to tear down and to hurt. All that can change today with, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And I think we ought to tell God that first before we even tell the person that. Some of you realize that you've been carrying around words, wounds from words that have been spoken to you maybe years and years ago. Maybe by someone that was supposed to love you. That said you were ugly. That said you were stupid, you were dumb, you're never going to amount to anything. You're never ever going to be good enough. And guess what we do? We internalize those words sometimes. We make them our truth. We let them become our identity. If you know anything about James's writing, he says, by our works, it's an indicator of our faith. Just as our works are an indicator of our faith, our words are an indicator of what's burning deep down on the inside of your heart. Let me ask you, what's burning deep down on the inside of your heart today? I'll tell you this, the attitude that drives us every day of our life is going to be manifested in our words every day of our life. And when those words aren't humble and they're hurtful toward people and toward situations, James says, I know exactly where they come from. They're not godly. They're earthly. They're not godly. They're fleshly. They're demonic. But he says, if your heart and your attitude are holy, then we're going to know that the words from the words that we speak, who's in control of this unruly member called the tongue. Amen? Can you imagine how we could turn our little section of the world upside down for God and for His glory if we could get our tongues to obey us? I'm not pointing anyone out. I think James is pointing us all out. We all have a problem with our tongues. We all have a problem with what's going on on the inside of us and how we let it come out sometime. I'm just saying I challenge you. Try the salve of forgiveness. Try the balm of repentance in your situation. And those that you have burnt, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And if there's someone that has hurt you, I pray that they would hear this message and they would repeat that. Could you stand to your feet this morning? My big question is, are you building or are you burning the kingdom of God today with your words? Are you encouraging or are you tearing down? Are you building up or are you destroying? Life and death are in the power of your tongue. Can you imagine what a huge responsibility that is that we should guard our words? Father God, in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray that this message will seep deep, deep into our hearts. Lord, I pray that it will remind us of just how powerful our words can be. Father, through our words, we have the power to bless and to curse, to give life and to take it, to build up or tear down. Father, I pray that you would change every area of our heart that needs a transformation so that when we open our mouths, we reflect your love. We reflect your character to the world 
around us. Father, change our conversations and let our conversations lift up, edify, strengthen, and love one another. Help us to love our neighbor as ourselves, but love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. If you agree with that, say amen with me. In Jesus' name, go out and change your vocabulary if it needs change, and change the world for Jesus. Amen. God bless you all.